I'm not sure who'd got the win, but I know that uh, Ollie in his last race at Flemington picked up second. Welcome to you, Gareth. G'day, Jared. Sammy, yeah, it was a great day at Flemington. Had it all. It was a perfect day to start the day, and then the rain came right at the end of the day. If you're back to old trip, you probably wanted it a little earlier, but... Um, no, it's a terrific day, and we're, without a fight, what a cup winner. He became the 14th horse to do the big Caulfield Melbourne Cup double, and it was an arrogant victory thanks to a beautiful ride by Mark Zara. Tell us about the rain, if you can. I, it looked as if it was going to go away. As I was driving in, there was a little bit of collapse of thunder. When did it, when did it actually come down? No, just, just as they basically jumped in the last year. Okay. So there was talk around that maybe it could come a little bit earlier, and there's a little bit of rain predicted tonight. There was a few horses crying out for a little bit of rain. Yeah. I think a few of the favourites in the cup, like Vorban and a horse like Gold Trip, would have loved the rain to have come a couple of hours earlier. And it's stopped now, so it really hasn't hit Flemington um, as much as probably we, we thought towards the back end of the meeting. Um, but, yeah, the, the favourite, without a fight, he, he enjoyed the dry ground. Um, yeah, away he went today. It was always uh, considered one of the likely winners. Um, are you surprised at how well he dominated the race? I mean, his sprinting ability late was was uh, quite superb. Well, I thought Vorben was the horse to beat from what we saw over in the UK and the way that he settled in here for Willie Mullins at Werribee and he delivered a couple of pieces, of terrific pieces of work, especially at Flemington last Tuesday morning at the breakfast with the Stars. But I thought the only danger to him from an Australian perspective was without a fight because his Caulfield Cup victory was so dominant off a hot speed. And there was some question marks whether he would get two miles, Jared. But Mark Sara made the decision for everybody. It should have been a little bit easy. We needed to trust him. Um, He jumped off gold trip for the Melbourne Cup, the horse that won it last year, to ride without a fight. He had no doubt in his mind that without a fight would get the two miles. And, he was a big price in the end, and he won like a good thing. And um, geez, he's got some. He's, he's a seven-year-old, but he could dominate next year if he stays in the in the form that we saw him today. How often do we see this in horse racing? I mean, obviously it is, it's magnified because it's the Melbourne Cup, but uh, and, and you hear about it all the time. But how often is it when a when a person jumps off a winner to get on the eventual winner? Mm. Usually, it's a pretty good guide because. These jockeys have got a terrific feel for these horses. And and Mark Sara uses a couple of really handy form analysts like Mark Hunter to help him make a decision like that. And he knows both those horses, Gold Trip and without a fight back to front. I've got no doubt he would have had a look at the weather report a week out and yep. he would have saw the weather being that the sun was out and it was going to be a good track. And I think if, if there was any type of rain predicted, a week out, he probably nearly would have went for Gold Trip, who's just a different horse with a little bit of give in the ground. But the way without a fight, one in Brisbane during the Winter Carnival, and then how he turned out this preparation, especially his Caulfield Cup victory, I think in the end it was a pretty easy decision for Mark, and in the end he was right on the money again. Um, Gareth, what about the, the, the Friedman story as well? So for Sam and Anthony, a really special moment. But Anthony knows all about it with Lee, I think, five times, if memory serves. But what a special, special moment for Sam, who's, you know, training with Anthony now. And, and that Friedman legacy just gets to put another chapter in it. It's a big, big moment for their family. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a wonderful race for the Friedmans, the Melbourne Cup, but we don't hear much from Anthony Friedman. He's behind the scenes. He hardly ever comes to the races. Very rarely he comes to the races. And he, he leaves all of the front work to Sam Friedman, who's excellent with the media. And he's a wonderful ambassador mm. for that organisation, for Friedman Racing. And he speaks so well. And 
he's always available to the media and he's he's a trainer that um he, he's got a vision and a goal and he and he spends most of his time at Flemington while his father Anthony spends time there on the Mornington Peninsula at their property and also goes in and does a lot of fast work there at Mornington. So it's a team effort, but Anthony has um, laid a lot of responsibility to his son and he's got a big future in front of him. And these days in the racing game, it's not just about the ability for individuals and teams to train horses, but it's just become a massive business. And if you're not personable and if you're not, um, they're talking to owners and making an enjoyable experience. You mm. get left behind. And Sam Friedman's been excellent for his father as much as his father's been excellent for Sam. They make a really good team. So where do the Friedmans now train, given that the uh, the St Andrews track got turned into a brewery? So they've got a property on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, I think it's Jonathan Munn's property at Pinecliff, where they prepare their horses at. And they've, they also spend a little bit of time at Mornington to do their fast work. And they've yep. got stables at Flemington as well. So like most of the big stables these days, they've got access to a country property to just to change up the environment for the horses and also a city environment where Flemington's a world-class training establishment. So um, their horses get every opportunity. And without a fight, who was... He was set out for the Melbourne Cup last year by the Christmas family and yep. he didn't really get the conditions last year. The rain came, he didn't handle them. Um, but since he's been with Anthony and Sam, he hasn't put a, a foot wrong. He was sensational there in Brisbane and he's dominated the Melbourne Spring so far. He's going to be around for a period, uh, young Sam Friedman. He covered himself in yep. glory post-match. In fact, he covered himself in glory post or pre-run, not match, but uh, pre-race. He, uh, he's, as you said, a very personal young fellow who talks well and uh, he's got a, he has got a big future ahead. Yeah, he was a great judge for us this morning as well for our, our um, breakfast Good. show this morning from Flemington yep. on SCN. He, he said that warning would be a terrific place chance, Jared. And the yes. old boy jumped out of the ground to finish second at $5 dollars the place and he was bullish about without a fight. It's hard to be bullish in a Melbourne Cup, especially from that gate. But mm. he, he, he never looked like losing that race today when you watch that replay. And Salkin, the second horse, who missed the kick once again like Jeez. he did in the Caulfield Cup, he was unlucky. Not only did he miss the kick, but Joe Mira, he found a few more. Well, he found more traffic jams than what we're getting around South Melbourne these days with yeah. all the bloody roadworks. Um, so he didn't have one of his best rides, Joe Muir, and Sulcum was a little unlucky. Bad Quinella roadworks and bike lanes, uh, but that's for another yeah. day. Uh, <laughs> tell us, who was the most disappointing horse? Um, I think the favourite of all, Dan Ryan Moore, said after the race that he travelled nicely into the event, but he just didn't finish off whether he didn't handle the conditions today, whether he didn't get a strong two miles. Um, that's for something for the, the Willie Mullins camp to, to unpack when they sit down and see how he pulls up, pulls up. But he was given a beautiful run by Ryan Moore and presented like the winner at the top of the straight there yeah. at Flemington. Yep. But he found little. And there was big money for him. I know he drifted late, but there was money for him at the call of the card. And his stablemate served was one of the, the big goes in Melbourne mm. Cup history. They were betting $34 earlier on the week. He started close to eight fifty. In fact, there was a stage there towards the back end of betting as we got closer to the race that he might surpass his stable mate in a way. There were only a couple of points between them, but he also presented, and as, as Zach Curtin, the champion who said, um, he just didn't finish off as well as well as they expected. So I think Willie Mullins will walk away from Melbourne and heading back to Ireland, a very disappointed man. Was that a heat thing? 
Gareth, I mean, I don't know we, what it was, Sam. Because I saw them loom. Yeah. They both loomed and they both seemed to be in decent positions. But then when it mattered most, uh, they just didn't have the legs. It looked to my eye, but to your expert eye, do you think that the Heat played it apart? There could have been numerous factors. Maybe they just weren't good enough. And sometimes <laughs> we do get carried away that. with these Europeans. Yeah, with these Europeans. Like there hasn't been a. And I got sucked into Vauban. I'm kicking myself a little bit. But it, like Willie Mullins is such a a legendary trainer. And when you try and profile these type of horses, they're actually finding these gallopers and setting them for Melbourne Cups. Like Vorban's been a two-year project where they made sure that they um, set out a plan to get him into races and get him into races that he could win, which would give him enough um, points and uh, enough grading to move up the ratings to get a start in the Melbourne Cup. And once you do that, then you don't want to win too many races because you don't want to get too big of a weight in the Melbourne Cup because it's a handicap. So they did that beautifully, especially this season. They only gave him a couple of runs and he won them perfectly. And, and he headed to Melbourne with 55 on his back. And he was a group one jumper as well um, in in the UK. And jumping is big news over there. There's some beautiful horses that jump over um, the obstacles in, in England. And he was a group one winner over the jumps. And, um, so he had all the ingredients and the capabilities to be one of the, the best credentialed horse to come out here for quite some time. But once again, there's been an international horse that started favouring. Once again, the punters did their money. So I don't know when we'll learn, lads, but we've got to learn one day. Well, maybe the trainers will learn, as uh, yeah. the Sheik did with the winner without a fight, who left him here. And if heat is an issue, and it's got to be, it's got to be counted as an issue, uh, he acclimatised. He had 12 months here living in Australia and uh, various parts. I, I assume he was uh, in Victoria, but he he was certainly given a better preparation than just coming off the off the plane. And uh, we know Vinci's crop did it, and that uh, is what turned them all around. But maybe they're going to think about a, a two-year campaign from now on. Oh, it's an interesting one, Jared. I don't think it's necessarily the heat because I was at Royal Ascot when Vorbeer bolted home that day yep. and it was a hot day there in England um, in the middle of June. So, And looking at him in the yard, he seemed to me that he handled the day pretty well. Yep. Maybe they just blew him up over 3,200 metres. Maybe when he won in England, they were stopped starting and it was a sit sprint and he kicked away that day at Ascot. Okay. Maybe we, we, we overestimated his staying capabilities. But the other the other situation that we sometimes forget is that we all know that the English days are better than ours, but yep. it's still a big job for a horse to travel halfway around the world, yep. acclimatise. Particularly economy. Perform, yeah, mm. in, in front of 80,000 people. And without a fight, it's a perfect class. example. Yeah, he failed in the Melbourne Cup last year. He has a, has a spell in Australia. They prepare him the Australian way yep. because it's a different style of racing as well. It's more jump and there's bit they wouldn't have been in a 24 horse field before so the, the different way that we race here um is completely different to what they do over in the uk so i think climatizing is a big issue and um that's why we see the, like the two two horses across the uh, first past the post today were former import gallopers that have how now had what a good year in their australian systems and uh, a little while to acclimatize and they were just better than vorbear today well, Gareth, uh, great job uh, all throughout the carnival. I know it's not quite done yet, but a brilliant job to you and the team yep, today. Well and um, Incredible without fight joins names like Ethereal, Might and Power, Doremus, Let's Elope, Galilei, getting that Caulfield Melbourne double. It's a special day, and thanks for bringing it to life with us. Good on you, boys. Thanks for that. Have a good night.